All right. Welcome back to the Assistant to the General Manager podcast, part of the Off the Glass podcast network. And we have a super fun one today. This is kind of the idea behind what the pod was started on. Sam and I wanted to just take super deep, uh, deep dive looks on teams off seasons and really put our GM hats on and kind of attack it from every angle and look at every possible thing that these teams could be considering. So we picked the most fun team in the league to start with this year, Sacramento Kings. Yeah, so we were kind of looking at what teams are sort of out of it and what teams probably don't have a lot else to show us down the stretch. And naturally, we landed on the Kings. However, since since we decided that, they have won four out of five. They've beaten Dallas twice and the Lakers. And they also, I think as of right now, if the Spurs end up getting beat, which I think they're getting pounded right now, are actually only going to be two and a half games out of the 10 seed. Um, they are still behind the Pelicans as well. So leaping two teams in their final seven games is a little bit to ask for. But they still play the Thunder two more times. And they play the Spurs, who are in 10th. So we maybe are slightly premature, but I think not a lot of it is going to change. Even if they got to 10, they would probably get smashed uh, against like the Warriors or something in, in the first play-in game. But, but yeah, I just thought that was fun that they have gone on a little mini spurt here. And and yeah, do you, do you think you should be concerned about them making the playoffs? Um, it is, like I said, it is tough to jump multiple teams because not only do you have to like be solid you have to rely on like more luck from other teams losing but playing the thunder twice that's that's pretty nice and then you might be looking at that spurs game like being a tiebreaker like it, it i mean i think that's props to the play in uh that's it's kind of going to make the end of season electric for some of these lower seed teams it's funny about the kings though um Every like national NBA podcast that like, covers all teams, like anytime they'll recap what the Kings have been doing, it's like, oh, they're 0 4. Oh, they've been they've won five in a row. Like I swear, just like the whole season has been losing streak, win, winning streak, losing streak, winning streak. Um, which is kind of like the last two seasons for them, honestly. I think they did that last year too. Yeah, like basically they're a model of inconsistency. Um, yeah, yeah they, and, and like I said, they play. OKC twice, and then they finish the season with Utah. I mean, Utah could be locked in. Like, you never know towards the end. Even a really tough opponent could be not tough at all. So They could be purposely trying to lose for um, – either they could either be resting in general or just purposely trying to lose for positioning in the playoffs. Yeah, they could be jockeying away from the Clippers, away from the Lakers, you know, into Portland or something. So, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be funny if uh, the Kings actually do, like, at least make it interesting to the last day. But uh, Fox has – it's been out with the COVID protocols and Halliburton just got injured. So it's even crazier that they have put on a streak here. But I think we're mostly safe to say that their season's a wrap. And if they get 10th, like I said, I, I expect them to lose. <laughs> Although it's one game I think can happen, but I think, I don't think it's going to materially change their future uh, either way. Yeah. Agreed. Um, that extra lottery look would probably be pretty helpful for them um, or better odds. I should say. Uh, one one thing before we get into this I wanted to add is part of the reason we like to do this while the season's still going on is it just opens up the table for analysis a little bit more. We kind of have to do a little bit more projecting on our own and just uh, think about more potential options because they haven't made some of these decisions yet and uh, a lot of it's still out in the open. So that's why I like to do it while the season's still going on for the other team. Um, any thoughts on that or you want to jump into what the books look like? 
No, that's a good point. Also, the draft is like right after the finals end, so like there's not a ton of time. Yeah. And then free agency is right after that. So then, like, if if you start all the teams after they've kind of made their move, so no, that's a good point. We can actually uh, spend some time thinking and projecting and planning and putting forth what we would want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you want to kick us off with what their books look like going forward? Yeah, so going forward, they, they don't really have cap space this coming season. So basically they have three big deals. Gatieran Fox's max kicks in at around $28 million. Buddy Heald signed that um, probably a little bit premature extension that has him at 22, a little bit over $22 million next season. Then they have Barnes. Uh, Barnes and Buddy Heald both do decline, but like those are kind of their three big ones. And then, sadly, their next biggest is Marvin Bagley, who I think we'll probably talk a good deal about. But they they probably won't have cap room in, in this coming summer. They would have to dump like Bagley or Buddy Heald, um, as well as their first-round pick. They have... Um, so basically, they'll have their full MLE this offseason. And they also have a Sean Holmes decision to make. So he is expiring this year. And so that'll be super interesting. I know there's a lot of people who like fancy him as one of the top two or three centers, if not the very best center on the free agent market. Uh, they also have Harkless and Whiteside coming off the books. But essentially, they're going to be right near the cap without doing anything drastic and most likely will just be like a full MLE team and yeah, no, no space to go get a big fish. Yeah. Um, you hit on it with where they're at with cap and best decision is just keep some of those holds on the books and stay over the cap so they can have access to their full MLE. Um, bringing up Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, that's, it, I, I didn't think the Kings were that interesting until I sat down and thought, I was like, well, I mean, they have some good veterans on this team, and they kind of have decisions to make this offseason. Looking at Rashawn Holmes, who doesn't have that much of a cap hold, like you can literally just let it sit there, and you need to let it sit there so you can have your full MLE, and you have your have his bird rights. You can pay him a lot of money. Um, even someone like a Mo Harkless, like, he – He's coming off like barely making anything. So having just his non-bird, like you can pay him more than what it looked like some teams might be willing to pay him. And if you want it to be good next year, I mean, I think you're better off having him than not having him. Um, and yeah, someone like a Harrison Barnes, like we'll get into that situation in a little bit, I'm sure. But he healed, like like you said, it's pre- premature how much they paid him. But I mean, he's still a good player i think <laughs> he can score the ball uh you really shoot it and he guys like that but definitely overpaid at this point especially considering he got i think he got paid right before the league figured out like you don't have to pay those type of players like that like uh you can just kind of replace him with like a wayne ellington on the minimum <laughs> like luke Kennard, i think he was looking like he was going to make some real money we talked about it at some point obviously he had injury issues and some other things but there's two guards who, yeah, they have some extra scoring punch, but they're kind of built around shooting. I, I think the league has kind of caught up to where, like, those are the type of guys you don't really pay. Um, but, yeah, I kind of touched on a lot of general stuff there. I will add, I think they've done a pretty solid job at moves around the margin, surprisingly. Um, like they've kind of taken flyers on someone like a Terrence Davis, who was a ro- legit rotation player on a good team. Um, I know there's, I think there's some personal stuff going on there I don't know too much about. So, I mean, they know what's going on there. I'll let them handle that. But 
like I know people were really high on the guy that drafted drafted Robert Woodard. I don't really know if he's done much this year, but I know I remember seeing he had like kind of first round grades, and I think he ended up, they got him in the second round, and they got a. Uh, Jemise Ramsey in the second round, too. I saw he was going, like, first round at some point in mocks. And those are both, like, wing-type guys. Uh, I think Jemise Ramsey is supposed to be, like, a shooter. I mean, if one or two of those hits as a rotation player, I mean, that's solid work there. Even, like, a Mo Harkos, like I just talked about, like, that's a type of a guy you need on teams, like, just defensive wing um, on good teams. So, I think – and DeLon Wright, I mean, he's been pretty good for them. So, I think they've done some solid things. And I'll kind of – We'll touch on all this deeper when we kind of talk about the direction they're going and kind of where they should be going. But, yeah, I mean, I think they've done better than they've kind of – their reputation is. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point about having some of the smaller things. Like, I like I like DeLon Wright quite a bit. Um, Holmes is like an internet favorite, and a lot of analysts are, are in love with him. I know you're a fan as well. And, and even, like – I don't even know how to say his first name. Me Too has been playing a little bit lately, yeah. and he's fly, flying around getting blocks and steals and looks like an energy guy that could be something. I mean, he's yeah, he's looked like an NBA player at the times so I've watched him play. Yeah. Um, but it's... I don't know, they're, they're a goofy team. So they're, they actually have the 10th best offense in the league, and they're like the only team wow. that is in like the top half of the league that is just like dead and buried out of the playoffs. I mean, I know I touched briefly on the fact that maybe they're not fully dead and buried, but, but like, they're around teams like like the Celtics and the Sixers, and I guess Toronto is somewhat near them too, but Atlanta even, and it's just that their defense is so bad. Like, they, I think they are, yeah, they're, they're 30th in defense, so they they can score, but they just, they just get, they just get run out of the gym on the other end. So, it made me think a lot about their best players being like Fox Heald and Halliburton. Like those guys aren't really contributing on the defensive end. And then their big men obviously can't do quite enough to make up for it. So it's hard to know like what, what direction they should really go in. Cause they have some firepower. I mean, Fox, people think Fox could be, I don't know, all-star or sleep below as, as he kind of ages into his prime. And like you said, Heald can score. It's just like, they just seem to be missing the it factor. I don't know exactly what that is. Obviously, they need to shore up their defense. Like I said, they're dead last. But I don't know. It, as I poured through their roster, like I'm not overwhelmed by any means. But they, they seem to beat good teams on a certain night. And then they can go lose six in a row, kind of like you were talking about. So I don't know. Their their roster is like topsy-turvy to me. Like I, I don't know the, the perfect route. So hopefully we can work our way through that or you can help me out. Yeah. I think they're the perfect route for them is very like random. It's going to be random for them. It's going to be very dependent on what else is out there. Like what kind of trade offers there are for their veterans and what kind of money Rashawn Holmes is, uh, uh, is looking like it'll cost to retain him. But based off what you said, I kind of wanted to add to that about just kind of the weirdness of their situation. So the way I see it kind of looking at De'Aaron Fox is, um, He's not a good number one, but I mean, I guess it's fine. Like for now, it's fine. You have a really, he's a really good young player with potential, with uh, more potential, and he's not going to ever be the number one on a championship team, probably, probably never a number one on a conference finals team, honestly. But I mean, that's okay. Like you don't have to. Like we we talk about a lot of times, you got kind of got to ground your expectations. Like you got to 
sometimes just build try to build a playoff team, especially for a team like Sacramento. And you have a good player who has the potential to be number one, probably on a playoff team. And so the way I see it based on that is kind of like what we were talking about Charlotte last year. They just they needed some lottery luck and they needed to just kind of lock in one more like high end player player and they got that with the mellow. I think the Kings they just kind of need a little lottery luck probably to try and lock in someone who you can either be the number one to push Fox to number two or someone who could maybe fall in as a good number two because if your number one's probably not up there with some of the other number ones you need someone who's going to be a pretty good number two so I kind of I just think they need a few bites of the apple to find that player and if they find it fast, they have the veterans to jump right into being good again. And um, I actually I see them as one of those teams where, like, a way less version of what happened when Jason Kidd left the Bucks and uh, Budenholzer took over, or I think there's an interim coach in between. Um, but kind of like I can see another coach taking even this. Like, let's say they had their roster now and they were healthy for a full season. I know they've had a lot of weirdness, but uh, let's just say non-COVID year. And they just ran this roster back next year. Like I can see a more competent or maybe better, just someone who gets more out of the players. I can see a better version of a coach, like getting this team to the playoffs. Like Fox is being a somewhat flawed number one, but like no real weaknesses in a starting lineup. Like Halliburton or Heald, whoever you want to start at the two. Harrison Barnes is really just solid forward. Mo Harkless, solid forward. Rashawn Holmes, a solid center on both ends. Like I can see a team that instead of getting slightly less than what's expected out of a team, someone, a coach who gets, like, slightly more out of what's expected out of them. Like, that's probably a playoff team. Like, and, yeah, I mean, you can respond to whatever there, but... Right, I I think I'm a little bit lower than you on the Kings in general. Like, a lot of those guys are, are perfectly solid and fine, but none of them scream, like, uh, like you said, that's maybe, or could be a playoff team. Like we talked about this before with the West is just like so yeah. hard to climb into that. Like for me, the Kings are almost like, they're just like dead stuck in mediocrity or like the, the bad end of mediocrity. So like they, they're not going to be bad enough to be the Thunder or yeah. the Pistons or the Rockets. So like they're never, with the flat and lottery odds, it helps. Like they still, even if they... I think if they finish in like ninth worst, which they are right now, like they have a 25% chance of jumping up uh, or 20% chance of jumping up to the top four, which is not terrible anymore. But like they're never going to be quite bad enough. But I also, I don't know, I'd have to squint really hard to see this team. Like I guess they would have to get a, di- a difference maker in the draft this year because, like you said, Fox as a number one is probably like bottom 10 ish in the league. And, and Barnes is just like a perfect fit into almost any roster like he can stretch a little bit he can do a little bit of work in the post he's a fine defender go between the three and four but if he's your second best player i i don't really like it and like you already said healed it's kind of he's a scorer but yeah. he doesn't do anything else it's actually crazy like his efficiency is not even good even though he shoots 40 percent from three like he just has like no oh, other crazy bo- high volume too yeah so he has like no other ball skills to get himself you know into the paint to get a bucket or I don't know, even like old school Rip Hamilton, like maybe off the screens and get an elbow jumper. I know the mid range is kind of dying, but it just seems wild that he's very mediocre efficiency for being just a, a flamethrower from deep. But, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point about uh, maybe pulling in a different coach. So I was a little, I think I told you offline, I was a little mad that there was like a report today that said Luke Walton might, might be on the hot seat because. 
I was just thinking that as well. Like, especially if defense is like your big hole, like that's kind of where coaching I think can make make a lot more difference. Like offense, I mean, you can coach both both ends, but like talent wins out a little bit more mm-hmm. on the offensive end. You know, if you have elite scorers, elite ISO players, they can kind of boost up an offense. But like Luke Walton, he he's been a coach for five seasons and he's never been within seven games of 500. He had the Lakers team with with LeBron, right, in his first in LeBron's first year, and I know yeah. I know he had the injury, but they had Ingram and Ball, guys who are playing fine elsewhere in the league with LeBron, a top one to three player in the league, and they I don't know, they they finished the season terribly. The the Kings had some hopes of being good this year or last year and he's kind of just never gotten anything done and also it seemed kind of weird even the way he took over the kings like he was just like ushered in immediately upon his upon his release from lakers or mutual uh parting ways according to them so yeah i mean i don't like to call for people to be fired but i think a different coach that could connect better with the defensive end and I don't know, just something else, a different voice to kind of elevate this team. Uh, you yeah. Can jump in with yeah, I didn't realize they're tending offense. That's kind of crazy. But because one of my thoughts was, let's get one of these. Um, I think they're like the classic team. Like they're like the perfect scenario to get one of these young um, on the radar coaches up there who likes to try new things and be creative. Because one thing you'll, um, one thing that is kind of just true with the coaches is like, the really, really good value add coaches, they don't leave teams. Like they're kinda on their teams and they're there for good. Like so sometimes the best way is to be the first one to hire them. Like find the next Nick Nurse. Obviously, that's not as easy as it sounds. Like you look at the Pacers who attempted to do that and I guess it's going terrible. Um, I think I right before we started I saw a clip on Twitter of like uh, him yelling at a, it looked like the his players and that they were going at it. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that one a little closer. I couldn't really tell what was going on there, but but look, the idea. Look at what the Thunder are doing. Um, I'm not gonna even attempt to pronounce their coach's name right now, um, but it looks like he's very solid. Knows what he's doing. Um, has like they they won way too many games as is, and there's a point in the season when they were like really winning way too many games, but. Yeah, I mean, I just think they're a classic. Because if it doesn't work, they have the bright side of, like, okay, well, now we can try and bottom out a little bit more. Um, we can really try to increase our lottery odds. And if it works, maybe he gets, instead of, like, being someone like Luke Walton, who's probably getting a little less than expected on his team, you find that coach that gets more than expected. Um, or, like, and another thought is, like, maybe just or just go after someone like a, just already a really good offensive mind in the league. Like, uh, I think Mike D'Antoni would be really fun on this team if he's just kind of wanted to go hang out in Sacramento for the last few years of his career. And I think I, I don't honestly, I don't even know if I thought of that myself if I heard someone else say it. But um, I did hear someone say like he hasn't had the chance to kind of construct his like old get up and down the floors Phoenix Suns days in a while because I mean playing James Harden, obviously. And, you don't have to run. You don't have to have too complicated of offense and things like that. And they tried to run a little bit with Westbrook, but they ended up slowing down by the end of the season. But just having him have De'Aaron Fox get up and down the court, some other offensive talented guys, I think that'd be super fun. Yeah, and Fox is like amazing in transition. And if you could get him and Hal Burton, it's kind of like playing two point guards at once. And you got Buddy who can rain from anywhere. Like that, it seems like they should be 
number one in transition, at least attempts, like just get the ball and go. So yeah, well, well, I said their offense was already good. Like maybe a D'Antoni could push it even into like the top eight or something. And then you could maybe focus all your other resources on defense. I know D'Antoni wasn't, isn't known for being a defensive guru, but even those Phoenix teams were like a little bit better than most people realize because they always thought just because the game was like 125 to 120 that it meant no defense, but really they just, their pace was insane. So like yeah. their defense wasn't quite as bad as it looked on the surface, but. And I think with D'Antoni, your defense is at least going to be playing the right way. It, was, it might be one of those teams where they give up the right shots, but they just don't have the defensive talent and uh, some of these other teams. And because of that, like they, it's easier shots. But it's like if you're giving up shots in the right location, a lot of times just with like average shooting luck and expected, uh, expected make rate, like you're, you'll be at least fine on defense, especially for a team like the Kings. Yeah, and I will say they actually, I did look at that. They're getting slightly unlucky. Like, I think teams were shooting, like, the third best uh, from deep in the league. So maybe 30th isn't quite representative of the defense they actually should have. Um, so, I mean, maybe Walton deserves a tiny bit more credit. But I don't know. This The whole coaching thing, like, I, I'm pretty convinced that, like, 75% of coaches are either, like, mediocre or, like, don't add or take away that much. Or then there's, like, a chunk that are terrible and take away than like a small chunk that are like really elevators because yeah. i mean they were like they started out like 24 no the warriors with luke walton the people were like oh luke walton the next fun hire uh when kerr had that like back surgery or whatever and i think it's even has in your basketball reference they were 39 and 4 with him as the interim coach yeah. and, and then like he's like 40 no he's like 70 games under 500 as the head coach like i think talent just tells so much of the story yeah. um but i do think they can improve around the edges and i think defense specifically is is a big area yeah Unless i think like no i think like you're like that's a really good point about just like um the value add from coaches like so much of them are like within like one standard deviations like basically you have like the whole group here it's like a little bit of this group is probably a net positive. A little bit of this group is like a net negative. Most of them like kind of just neutral. And then you got your few outliers on both ends. So I think that's pretty accurate there. Um, and I would, and that's what I was kind of getting at with Luke Walton. I feel like he's probably on that slight net negative. And uh, maybe if you get someone on the slight positive, that could uh, turn things around a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean it's worth a shot, right? Yeah. Like it's clear that. They're not breaking through to be amazing as is, so you might as well take a take a dice roll on another coach. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've kind of bounced around a lot, just kind of looking at the general situation they're in. Um, yeah, me... sorry. We have we haven't bounced around. Just one other thing I'll add. Um, looking forward, like their yeah. draft assets are like pretty neutral. They have I think three seconds coming. And they owe out two seconds, but they're not sitting on a treasure trove of firsts like yeah. like OKC or New Orleans. But they haven't also given up all their firsts like famously they have done in the past. They they do have all their own firsts, so they're kind of just right down the middle of the road for future assets for trades or their own drafting status. Yep. Um, I guess since we have bounced around so much, I'll kind of like just go over my bullets of uh, bullet points of. What I was thinking for their offseason, then we kind of transition into the specifics like trade targets and trades we might have, fake trades we drew up and stuff. So basically, to recap, um, they're right around the salary cap for this upcoming offseason. So the best strategy is to stay over by keeping some of the holds on so they can use their full mid level. Um, 
Um, they kind of have to evaluate the Rashawn Holmes situation. That's going to, a lot of that basically depends on the direction the team wants to go in. Uh, the way I saw it, uh, with just like their future strategy, you kind of got to evaluate all those situations, see what kind of value you can get with other veterans. But also, in general, they just need one, they need a few bites at the apple to get one more legit guy um, who can either push Fox to be your number two, then you're more than set, or someone who can be a pretty good number two next to Fox. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all my general, and then we talked about just coaching stuff, but that's all my general thoughts. You want to recap anything you had, or you ready to move on? No, we can move on. Just the, well, the only thing is their key decisions, basically, is the first-round pick, what to do with Bagley, if anything, and then what to do with Rashawn Holmes as far as, you know, how big should they go to retain him. Yes, yeah. for signing trades, let him walk, etc. So those are kind of like the three main key points that I had for their offseason. Yeah, it's funny. In the beginning, you said uh, you expected us to talk about Marvin Bagley, Marvin Bagley a lot, but I mean, I don't know. He's kind of just a sunk cost at this point. Like I don't really have much on him. Well, less so about the player, more so about kind of like how to handle. So you think that it's just like a sunk cost? Like would you, would you? Like, because they could get some caps. They could have like fifteen million cap space if they traded him away. Like, would you? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's probably a negative value. Like, he makes a. He's going to be making eleven point three million this upcoming season. Like, I was kind of thinking that too. But I'm like, I mean, I'm not taking him on as another team, especially because, and I'm usually so far at the other end of the spectrum on that. Like, someone like a Kevin Knox. I'm like, sure, I will take him. Like. I'll give you a fake second. You don't have to pay me to take on a Kevin Knox type, even though he's been glued to the bench and only has really shown stuff in summer league. Like so many times, I'm on like even like a Dennis Smith Jr. I'd probably still take him on. Um, I don't know. This got a little weird because he kind of had some personal issues and hasn't really bounced back since. But even before all that, like I'm usually in favor of just taking a player like that on for a second draft. Um, and I would like obviously. I'm not a GM, so like I'm not actually making these decisions. But it's like, as a GM, that would be my thought. Like, a, you don't have to like pay me. I don't. You don't have to like give me compensation. Take someone like a who's the guy the Clipper. I don't know how to say his name. The guy the Clippers drafted who's been bouncing around everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he finally signed a deal in Cleveland. Um, like to at least get like money for the rest of this season. But I guess Sacramento didn't want him. <laughs> Speaking of the Kings, but yeah, was, yeah. Usually, like I'm. So far on the other end of the spectrum with that, but Marvin Bagley obviously it's different because he makes he's going to be making so much money. But yeah, I mean I'm not as a team that's like looking for a flyer. It would have to be a real like perfect situation. I had no other way to use my cap space, and like I already knew for sure there's no other way to use my cap space. Yeah, so if you're a Kings fan, you not only chose Bagley over Trey Young, Luka and Jaron Jackson, but you also have like nine million dollars in in dead money this year. I know he makes 11, but like maybe he's worth like a $2 million. He's worth a minimum. Yeah. Right. But so I don't know. So you don't, did you actually try to find him a team or are you just saying it would have to be perfect? Cause I probably should what about, but uh, in my head, I just kind of all just looked at it as a sunk cost. So, like I didn't even think about it. Like I probably could have found something that interested me from the other team's point of view, but I just, it never even crossed my mind to look honestly. So what about Orlando? Like, they don't really have scoring in their front court. Like, could they take a flyer? Like, they have Terrence Ross. Like, they're reunite, not really good. He's an o- reunite him and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe he's worth the fall. Like, he was a second overall pick. Like, people thought he was going to be 20 and 10 machine. I just feel like they could maybe give him away for, like, a, like a second or something. But I yeah. guess what do the Kings have to, to gain part, from that? Part of the issue, too, though, is, like, it's a very weird situation because of one being second second overall pick, you make a lot of money. But also, uh, he's had so much injury issues. Like it's not even like I know for like I could have my own analysis on what I think this guy is. Like he's just been hurt so much, it's hard to even tell. Yeah, he he did. I think he was shooting like thirty eight percent from three this year, which is like a step that you know people were hoping that he would take is instead of being. Um, yeah, 30, 35% this year, but it was, like, I think before the season, he was at, like, 28%. So, he, like, started to stretch out a little bit. Yeah, he, he had 2.6 attempts a game, which is up. Like, it's at least passable as, like, maybe someone has to pay attention to you when you're out there. Yeah. Uh, or, or, like, another team is Toronto. Like, That's interesting. They have a lot of defensive pieces around him. Could they want somebody for, like, 20 minutes a game to try to... Be like a lightning scorer off the bench, and Tor- and like, okay, go ahead. I was just gonna say real quick, Toronto has um, like Toronto's at the point where if they decided that was worthwhile, like I trust them. Like if they think uh, Nick Nurse can get the best out of him, I'd be down for it. Yeah, like maybe the Kings could do like Baines for him and get like a small asset from Toronto. Even I don't know. It just seems like. He's been unhappy in Sacramento. Like he's been hurt. It feels like it's not going to end well for him. Yeah, maybe they can just look at him as like a trade exception. Just use him to take on some bad money. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there might be a scenario out there where there's someone who's worse money than him, um, like an overpaid veteran or something. But there's not too many bad contracts in the league nowadays. Uh, one thing. Do you have anything else on Marvin Bagley? <laughs> or any other trades? No, I don't think so. Um, so one thing I noticed that you didn't you haven't really talked about much, and I mean I haven't really talked about it too much either so far, but how are you feeling about the Harrison Barnes situation? I mean, are, are you not really are you considering trading him this offseason? Well, yes. So <laughs> I feel like I'm a little Just bit assuming, like I... assuming they're not going to. Yeah, like, well, why didn't they do it this this trade deadline? Maybe they thought I, – I can see the logic behind it. So the way I see it is they're like, okay, well, let's at least try for this playoff push. If we don't get him, he still has two years remaining. Everyone's striking out on their cap space, kind of like the Mike Conley situation. Um, like, uh, maybe you can probably still get the exact same type of deals since he has two years remaining, or maybe even get better deals if people strike out and aren't able to use their cap space. So like, I, I think it's kind of a calculated risk. Like, sure, let's try and make the playoffs. And if it doesn't happen, oh, well. Like, I don't think he loses too much value regardless. Yeah, did you put together some trades for him? I just thought, like, they, they seemed to really like him. Like, I don't know. They they seemed like they could have gotten good value for him. This, like, yeah. this trade deadline, Boston was kind of, like, heavily rumored to, to be going after him. But if it's Ainge, he probably offered him, like, two seconds and a third round pick that doesn't even exist so maybe that's not representative um yeah this is i told you like right before we started there's like an angle i forgot to look at i mean i kind of was analyzing the situation but i just forgot to just scan the market and think about like from other teams point of view what i like 
if I'd be apt to Harrison Barnes or not. I did have him in one other trade that I guess this probably is a good time to get to. This is my uh, only real blockbuster of the day. You ready for this one? Yeah, I'm sitting down. Um, this is one too. Like I love the ones where it's like you, you don't really know how the value is. Uh, is you're kind of just like, guessing on a lot of it. So this is a fun one. So, what if the Kings want to get the better version of Marvin Bagley and get John Collins? <laughs> what uh, Marvin Bagley like the absolute ceiling for him at this point? What if? How much would you have to add to Harrison Barnes to get John Collins in a signing trade this offseason? Because it, it's it's tough because signing trades are a little weird because presumably like the person like John Collins you're going to have to pay him a lot of money so what it's going to end up being probably a slight negative value um, and it's also like who contributes to winning more Harrison Barnes or John Collins? Uh, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. Ultimate, yeah, ultimate glue player, and but just kind of at the end of the day, still a little underwhelming. But John Collins, I mean, very very good offense player, and shown he can be fined as a power forward on defense if you just have a solid rim protecting center. Um, he doesn't take anything away; like he shoots very well and like uh, crashes and pick a uh, roll guy just as well too. So, I mean, uh, and also just the young, the youth, and the potential where Harrison Barnes is probably more you expect declined. So that that's interesting about it. But then also in the sign and trade, especially with the restricted free agent, a lot of it is because the team is like better taking is like feels they're okay taking seventy five cents on the dollar so they can avoid not paying this person. So I ended up like the, what I kind of thought was like the middle ground for all the randomness to consider was like Harrison Barnes in a solidly protected first round pick for John Collins. Oh, so I think I don't know. I think that there's no well, real quick before you res- respond based off of your facial expressions. <laughs> there's no way the Hawks are sending out assets with Collins in a sign of trade. Um, why? That, why not? <laughs> There's just no way that's happening unless they're going for a superstar for like a starter level player. I don't. There's any way. Um, and I did kind of try to think think about this from the teams, how I think they'd look at it. I don't know. Like I said, so I'll let you go with the whatever you're thinking. I just had to throw all that out there. Well, well so the Hawks, are they – I think they're still going to be under the cap, right? Um, for next year? Like with, yeah. I'm not sure. Collins, or even, even with Collins' capital. I mean, I was going to say – because otherwise – could could they replace Collins a different way if he left? Because that goes to your point of would they actually give up an asset to acquire somebody by losing Collins versus letting Collins walk and then signing someone? I think that they're only I think that they're only at yeah I think that they would have space if if Collins just left. Uh, I'm leaning on dunk down here at the moment just because I didn't pull up at the Hawks when I was preparing for the Kings, but I, I think that. The way the way Collins was like on the trade market, and it's like known that the Hawks kind of don't want to pay him, and I don't know, they have all these wings and Capella who they love and is going to play a lot, uh, and they can even play Hunter to the four, like I, Nakangu at the four. I th- I think, I mean I think it's close. Like I think it might be like Barnes and Collins, 
in like a second or something. But know, knowing the Kings, they they never acquire picks. They only yeah. send them out just for fun. So I don't know. I I don't think I don't think they're giving up a first for for Collins if they're giving up Harrison Barnes. I mean Harrison Barnes, like people were saying, he was worth two firsts at this trade deadline. What was Collins but, worth? They're saying Harrison Barnes is worth the Robert Covington package. Um, yeah, so two like crappy-ish first. Yeah, solid at first. He's been traded for like mid-round first um, twice. Right. So, but, so how? So how? But that, Collins, that's all. Collins that's catch that. The only thing about that is like that's all media like spec like opinions, and I mean it's very quality opinions. But <laughs> um, I don't. Did you ever see any reports like the Kings turned down two first for Harrison Barnes or anything like that? Well, no, but I mean, they're usually not off by like multitudes well, of, of so, picks. Yeah, here's the thing though. Like, here's the, and obviously, I think this might not be saying much because it's technically both situations are team specific and these teams tend to hold on to their guys more than media would like them to. But uh, like Larry Nance Jr. didn't go for the Robert Covington package, Harrison Barnes didn't go for the Robert Covington package. Um, is there another forward who's in that group? Yeah, uh, but. I'd just say if like neither one of them went, maybe that's a good sign that teams weren't offering it. Yeah, but do you, would you say he's worth like a mid first plus a second? No, like that's the I agree with what like uh, your valuation of it. I'm just saying like I don't know. Maybe the reason we didn't see any of these guys move like that is because the offers weren't out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to take. Well, Collins versus Barnes versus Barnes in a vacuum here. Yeah, I think what's weird about it too is Collins. I think he's a even if you're like having to pay his next contract, like I think that might be the better trade asset. Um, I mean, just youth for probably get him for four years, but two yeah, but years at like twenty three million or something. Yeah, I mean, probably a little more than that. That's probably what it start at though, but. But so, what does Collins have to do though to be? It's just so weird to know how he fits on a good team. I mean, he's going to a young team. That's the thing is, they probably still want to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, on a team, on a team that they sucked in defense and they already had a decent amount of scoring, but maybe they're going for the Minnesota route of just like starting four offensive players. <laughs> yeah, I mean Fox, Halliburton, Collins, and maybe like. A little bit of lottery luck this year. That's, I mean, there's, there's some light there. There's some light in the end of the, in, at the end of the tunnel there. I think you can see a route to form a playoff team. All right, so I lied. So I actually did have one more trade uh, with Bagley, <laughs> and it was for John Collins, <laughs> with the Kings giving up a top twelve is what I had for oh. the future first. Nah, I mean, I don't think the Hawks would do that because. I mean, Bagley just hasn't been good at any point. And but like top wasn't twelve, was that what they were looking for at the trade deadline? Like like a highish lottery pick? It might have been. Um, I don't remember where the Collins uh, reports ended up. But the way the way I saw it was Bagley was a flyer at the same position. Yeah, maybe he turned something. Probably not. Probably let him go. And then like I don't know, a King's pick is pretty valuable. Um, yeah. Do you think that's not enough? I think just top twelve is too strong of protections for the Hawks. Or right, top eight. That yeah, that's kind of that sweet spot I think because that's what I, I had on my Harrison Barnes deal. Just because I, 
I don't think uh, they, like I said, there's some upside with the Kings deal. Uh, or a, a Kings pick is pretty valuable. So I'm not as the Kings. That's tough there. But as the Hawks, I'd also want a lot uh, to downgrade from Collins to Bagley. But it, what also makes it all interesting too is like sign and trades. Like, like you said, like he was in all these rumors. It's kind of known that they don't really want to pay him like that. Like, but it's right. also that lowers I think, his value, at least in my mind. I don't know if it lowers his value. I think it just usually, I think like it make teams more okay with like just taking seventy five cents on the dollar. But I think Travis Schlenk is also on record like basically tampering and saying we plan on matching anything if we like we don't sign and trade him. <laughs> So, if you can play that card and just act like no, like we're gonna keep him unless you throw us a real offer. Uh, yeah, that's. So how do you how do you feel about the Harrison Barnes fit? Real quick on the Hawks, like if we just, let's just look at that basketball fit for a second because I really like that because I mean that gives you a lot of versatility with the uh, three wing lineups plus Trey and Capella, and then you just can slide uh, Onyeka as your backup center. Maybe in two years, if he's ready to be better than Capella, you can move on, or you can just for two years or so. I mean, if he's not good, you're probably resign Capella, figure something else out. But a lot of versatility and just some insurance, just because you're the two biggest young wings they have are the ones who are always hurt. So I really like that. Then, yeah, I mean the, the Hawks have been good lately. I think they're like the four or five seed right now, and I I can't speak to exactly how big of a part Collins is, but ultimately I'm just wondering if they actually don't want him to be part of their future or not. Cause I mean, they're an up and coming team. They have all these young guys and they're playing well. And I don't know, they might, they might win around if they draw like New York or something. And so does that push them to, you know, keep what they have? And I was going to say, make Trey Young happy, but we don't know how much he actually likes John Collins anyway. So that maybe isn't valid, but I, I would certainly like Barnes for all the reasons you listed. The stretch four can defend a little bit. All their players seem to be hurt. Like uh, they've they've missed. Yeah, a he's ton really terrible between. too, isn't it? Yeah, he plays pretty much every night. So yeah, I would I would like it. It's just in the Kings, just a younger nucleus. It's just like it's scary when Collins and Heald could both be like on bad contracts, and then Fox, you're already maxing out. It's yeah. like the Kings. That's the team you're tying yourself to for a while. Yeah, whenever I'm like thinking about like long term for the Kings, like I or just even short term, like I really just don't even think about Buddy Hill that much, just because he's so much older <laughs> than people forget like how old he is and stuff. And it's like he's not a part of the young core; he's not young at all. Um, and he's just on that uh, overpaid overpaid contract, so he feels kind of like a sunk cost too. But I mean, I think he's a little bit better player than Bagley at this point. Yeah, so that's that's a great point about just Buddy Heald's age, but this is why I don't like the Kings' future. So, Buddy Heald's 28, Mo Harkless is 28, Harrison Barnes is 29, Thlon Wright is even 29, Rashawn Holmes is going to be 28 next season. Like, these guys aren't, like, young up and coming outside of, like, Fox and Halliburton and maybe, like, a Terrence Davis if he really pops and the Bagley sunk cost. So, I don't even think they have, like, this big ceiling, So, which is more to your point about do they take a swing for, like, a John Collins type of player that, you know, another team isn't in love with that you could maybe steal away is under 23 and still somewhat projectable, but it's hard. It's hard to find some optimism in my eyes when these guys are already kind of up there in age and they're very mediocre. Yeah. I've already 
compared him to the Hornets, but it's like if the Hornets didn't have cap space to then add a Gordon Hayward also. <laughs> like just kind of right. a few a few interesting young guys, no clear number one. Um, maybe some interesting vets who can be like starters on playoff teams, but like they're like the definition of like just kind of role player blue guys. But they also had the cap space to sign Gordon Hayward, who had a really good season when he's been healthy. <laughs> Right, yeah, and that's not going to be the case for the Kings until the next offseason. Uh, and the Kings aren't exactly known for pulling in free agents, but I guess neither were the Hornets. Yeah, they had a lot of money. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like the Kings, like, if you get like good offers on some of these guys, I think you got to do it because at the end of the day, Harrison Barnes, like, he's a lot better on a good team anyway than the Kings. Um, I don't think he's, like, gonna impact your winning too much or like a buddy you can somehow get like neutral value for him or if he like plays out of his mind at the start of the next season you can get like somewhat positive value maybe that's something you do but I guess you kind of just gotta keep trying to be solid maybe take young flyers when you can um hope for lottery luck because I mean like all those veterans you just pointed out and like how old they are like a lot of them aren't in the middle of their prime like or even the end of their prime do you just try and do what the magic did like let them try and get their trade value up and like sell them all like at the deadline like maybe you resign Holmes just for the purpose of trading him um that's actually something i strongly consider them maybe actually i kind of think that's like the, your best route there you at any point up until like next deadline you take uh good take good value on these guys if you get it uh, um, everyone like except for Fox and Halliburton but uh, you kind of just if you're good you just run with it if something if, like you're having a, a like solid season and doing a little better than expected try to make the playoffs if not do what the Magic did try and sell everyone off and hopefully you get enough uh, bites at the apple to where you don't have to take too long to get back to where you were or not back to where you were but too long to like just get some good pieces to make the playoffs, then maybe maybe by then you're at the point where you consider trading Fox, which I don't know when that when is that point that that's some that's something that's kind of getting the back of your mind right now. Is he going to ask yeah. out before his contract starts? Is that where we're at now? That can't be true. Like <laughs> I just I refuse to believe that because that means every single non-glamour team is screwed so i'm just not even going to consider that <laughs> yes yeah, so, it literally hasn't kicked in yet so when you sign it it's what you can be traded for a year when you sign the extension yeah so just look at the logistics behind this you could sign the extension like the first day of like the summer when it's offered and then you could be traded a year later like the first day of the next off season before you ever play a game on that that's got to happen at that, some point right that's, not, that's that can never happen you don't think that's it like over the next twenty years, I feel like it's got to happen with the player empowerment movement and like every single sport now. Like every quarterback in the NFL wants to be traded. Like if you, yeah, I mean that would be wild. That would, that would be extremely wild. Um, circling back to Harrison Barnes, you know what else would be another spot, good spot for him would be the well, Mavericks. Uh, yeah. I was about, yeah, I mean, it would be. But though. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, couldn't Did they he, use, like, another guy that can shoot a little bit? He was there, uh, three and four. Luca's rookie year, right? Uh, did they cross over? Was he? I think he got moved at that 
then down uh, to Sacramento. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's it. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he would make a lot of sense there, honestly. Uh, yeah, think. I think you're right. He, he did move in the deadline. It, it, still they have cap space, so like I don't know if they would really be trading. Maybe if they struck out, resigned their guys, and maybe like Tim Hardaway and sign and trade, or I don't know, they could piece it together Dwight Powell and some small deal. But yeah, um, um, yeah. Since I like I said earlier, I kind of forgot to just look from other teams' point of view. For uh, Barnes. Yeah, for Barnes, I think. There's a lot of teams that it's just like it'd be interesting on, um, but it, he's one of those guys where with him making a good bit of money, probably take a little too much work looking into cap sheets to just come up with realistic scenarios right. on the I fly. Mean, what what team couldn't use like a hybrid three four who can shoot a little bit, create? I mean, like yeah, create Washington, a little too if needed. Probably yeah. Washington could use a guy like him. Um, so many teams. That... Yeah, yeah, basically every team could. Use a guy like any team who wants to be good, like they would. Miami, try. yeah, that's. I really like that at the deadline, but um, that's not the route they chose to go. Right. Uh, so you want to get to some more trades? I only have two more trade targets. Uh sure. Go ahead and hit me. So, do you want the simple one? I mean, they're both simple, honestly. But do you want the higher scale or lower scale one first? The lower lower scale first. All right, yeah, we need to recover from that John Collins or something simple. Um, <laughs> I just like the idea of kicking the tires on a Mo Bamba flyer, especially if you can get him for cheap. Um, he's been getting to explore his game a little bit more lately, and he's kind of been pushed just like, like the fact that they start Wendell Carter Jr. over him, um, and they play Mo Wagner. Like, I think him and Wagner actually play a lot together now with the Magic, which is interesting, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been getting the chance to explore a little bit more. Like, I think we've talked about it a lot of times, but I've always kind of been a little bit more interesting than just the theory behind him. Like, looking at someone like a Rudy Gobert who took forever to um, develop. And I know people, like, a lot of people claimed, like, have, like they knew he had that in him for a while, but Mobamba had, like, the second highest wing or the second longest wingspan out of anyone in the league behind Gobert. Um, it's hard for me to think that he won't be able to be at least a solid defensive player with a little bit more experience. And just that plus that combination of that defense plus a floor spacing center. So I think that'd be a really interesting piece if you could get a little bit more defense on the team. Maybe one of those, or just if one of those like hits between his defense and offense, I think either one would be beneficial. Or if you can just do a little bit of both, um, that'd be very solid. So get a little more spacing. Uh, Role guy too, or someone who maybe could like, get the defense to collapse on him on the pick and roll a little bit more, or give Fox some space to drive to the rim on uh, defense, make up for some of their mistakes. So, yeah, that'd be pretty, especially with Wendell Carter Jr. there. Like, you might be able to get him for two seconds. Right. Yeah, I'm all about the Mo Bamba experiment for a lot of teams, but the Kings in particular, because even if they keep Rashawn Holmes, he doesn't provide any stretch for them. And yeah, just the element that Obama could bring. Was that the same draft as Bagley? Uh, was it? Or is that the next one? I think I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it's the same draft. The same. So Obama must have been six or seven, but maybe they can get both of the uh, bust big men <laughs> the top ten. Yeah, well, that's why like, I was thinking about the. I thought about the 
Exactly to the magic thing briefly, just because I thought about uh, that. I was like, if I'm the magic, would I be interested in like just swapping Bagley and Bamba? And I was like, oh, they'll be reuniting uh, Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr. Right. I mean, I always try to get the magic adults of offense, but they they don't seem to be on the same wavelength as me. No, I like it. You think in just a couple seconds would get that? He's actually been playing well recently if now that he's getting some minutes. I mean, it's hard to always judge if he's playing against scrubs when they're down by 30. Especially this year. Yeah, I mean, when they're trying to lose. So maybe take it with a grain of salt, but I'm, I'm on board with that one. Yeah. You have any more? Uh, no, I actually don't. Okay, so the last guy I have on my big board um, and be a real target is Jeremy Grant. Uh, probably not likely at all, but he's one of those guys who I think is uh, – or not think, but I mean he's young enough to hop in and – either be a part of the next, like, if things go better than expected. He, I mean, he would really help you win. Maybe you slot. He was, like, a number four on offense in uh, Denver. Then he moved into a number one role in, in Detroit. Started off insane, but it's been, like, cooling off. Maybe you can, like, perfectly slot him into, like, a number two role in um, Sacramento. Uh, just give him some extra floor spacing, extra athleticism on the wing. Help your defense out a lot. Um yeah, so I'm at the, and just age-wise, he's kind of fit in with, okay, let's try and be good now, and if not, we'll try and just add you to the somewhat young core of you, Fox, and Halliburton, and that'll probably it speeds you up a little bit with that, but, I mean, nothing too crazy as long as you don't have to give up, like, all your picks. But uh, And also, just Troy Weaver loves his athletic guys, so maybe he'd be super interested in Marvin Bagley. True. The, that situation is weird though, because I know that's like uh, he's on record like saying he wanted to go to Detroit for like black coach, black owner, black city, um, and like they wanted him and all that. So don't really see that trade happening or any trade happening. But if Marvin Bagley and two like medium protected first would get it done, I'd do that in a second as the Kings. See, Jeremy Grant is kind of the perfect player that I was trying to find for the Kings, like both when I was scouring the free agent market and just trying to think about, you know, what are the gaps they have? They have some good guards. They have some good young point guards plus healed. And, <laughs> and yeah, I was trying to look at something in the, the three to four range, like to, to go with Barnes or replace Barnes long-term. The, so yeah, I like, I like Grant. For all the reasons you said, I don't think he'll really be traded. And if he would be, I, I think maybe a, a better team would come calling because Jeremy Grant is just like I don't know, yeah. he's another guy that could just fit anywhere so I think that they maybe would be out dead but that's a super interesting team now that like, I actually think about it um, if you don't trade Barnes uh, if you're looking at Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes being your 3-4 it's a lot of shooting some with especially with Jeremy Grant like being a legit shot creator now like you can trust him to be a number two and Harrison Barnes having the ability to get down low post and create a little bit on his own too like I mean, that's like a basically not as good as you. I mean, maybe it is as good as you can realistically get to surround Fox um, to help get the best version of him when you factor in the two who's going to be playing with is either going to be a super shooter in Buddy Heald or another really good shooter in Tyrese Halliburton who spots up really deep as well to help give even more spacing. But, or just, and he's just also like a super smart player, also likes to run and get in transition with Fox. So, and then a rim running center, like that's a really nice environment for 
Jennifer Fox. Just a lot of talented, good NBA players there. Um, yeah, so if somehow they found a way to pull something like that off, I would be willing to mortgage a little bit of the future for that. I mean, I think that's definitely a playoff team. Yeah, I, I, I hesitate just because it's the West. And, and yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant had a super good year with Detroit, and they were terrible, but Detroit's a completely different animal, obviously. They have almost nothing else there. The two Which, first might be a little bit rich for me, but... If I'm getting up Bagley, too. <laughs> yeah, but Bagley only has one year left. Like, he could even stretch Bagley and be fine if you really That's, just wanted to get rid of him. His cap... Like, what do you do about that? Like, his... You got to make the decision because his cap hold is going to be like the max. Well, so one of my another reason I said we're going to talk about him a lot is do you even extend him a qualifying offer? I think yeah, that's what, like I, I that's think his qualifying offer is is fourteen point eight million because I, I did look this up. His cap hold will be massive, yeah, like twenty five million or something. But but his well, qualifying at, offer is like it's fourteen point minimum twenty eight. That's if you did, did I do two point five? Yeah, that's if he doesn't meet the average uh, salary, which his salary is so high. I mean, I think that might be around what the average expected. And I think th- if that's the case, then it's three. I might have that backwards. But there's a scenario where it's uh, you multiply a salary by 300% instead of 250. And multiplying it by 250 gives you 28. Yeah, but that's that's the cap hold, though, right? That's only if you're yeah. trying to make free agent waves. Like, I mean, it's also a good point. But would you even extend them as qualifying offer? Well, that's that's kind of why I was bringing it up. It's just like that's so massive. Like, one, the qualifying offer of, like, what he'd have to play on if he signs it. And two, just if you want, like, keeping his hold on the books is insane. Like, that's just such a tough situation. Like, you really have to figure out what you're going to do pretty soon with him. Yeah, it's a massive question, which, I mean, I, I don't think you can. Like, there's no way, there's no way... If he's a free agent right now, would he get like three for eighteen, three for fifteen? That's probably about it. Yeah. Somehow there's no. Did, didn't Josh uh, Josh Jackson still get like five million? Did he get the room exception from the Pistons? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so like two ten. So yeah, yeah that's, that's probably a good comp. Like two ten, three fifteen, maybe with team option or like non guarantees. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah. I do have one more trade now that okay. we're talking. It's uh, so the, with the Pacers, aforementioned Pacers in a little bit of turmoil, and we're always trying to trade. How, like, how about Miles Turner on the Kings? It's interesting. I mean, or, obviously, love the fit for all the reasons that we wish Mobamba like would live up to. And how about how about for Barnes? I mean, would, would the Pacers be interested in a four? Do they really have a four that they love? I mean, the Sabonis, he's four, five, whatever. That but, would be just like Jay Warren's been hurt. The all slightly above average team <laughs> in Indiana. You got Pacers? just like, yeah, just rolling out. That's like what they are. Malcolm That's already Brogdon, what they are. TJ Warren, Harris, uh, what's his name? Harrison Barnes, Harris Levert. Uh, I call. I consider him below average. So, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, just in, ter- in terms of shot creators and like, yeah. That's part of the reason I was like really low on the Pacers a year ago. I think it's just like they have just so many guys who I guess need the ball, but you know, like creator, real creators here. But yeah, I mean that's interesting value wise. I don't. I think if I'm moving Miles Turner, that I'd want a little more than that, especially just considering how great his defense has been this year. I mean, they were gonna move Turner and like a first for or, Jordan Hayward. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't, I don't, and they, I guess all the leagues soured on Turner, like teams like the Pelicans, like backing out of deals and all sorts of things like that. But I mean, that's just insane to me. But um, I, I guess what I probably meant to say instead was if I'm the Pacers, I think if I trade one of them, like I need to change my direction. I need it to like take me in some form of new direction. Like I just don't want another good player back. Like I'm, I'd just be tired of that as the Pacers. Like, what are we doing here? I, like, if I'm a trade. Miles Turner, like, give me two first-round picks or something instead, like, in just neutral money. Or if I'm going to trade Sabonis, uh, maybe Sabonis, like, that's the type of player I'd want. I'd be fine with getting the Harrison Barnes back just because I think um, I just like, just like Miles Turner more. Um, I do think that there are some teams where Sabonis you'd rather have, considering your goal is probably just to make the playoffs. But, yeah, I kind of just need a change of direction if I'm trading Miles Turner. Okay. Well, maybe you can use that to really decide what they should do with Rashawn Holmes because I'm looking at upgrading their center. Uh, do you have firm ideas on like a walkaway number, like what he'd actually be worth if you retain him? If if a bunch of teams are going to come clamoring for his services, like where where are you at with Holmes? Um, that's tough. Uh... You got to think a team like Charlotte's going to come in and throw a lot at him. Maybe Toronto. Uh, well, Toronto's kind of depend on Kyle Lowry. If they keep Kyle Lowry, they're not going to have the space to do it. Uh, yeah, so I'd need to do look a little bit harder to see what other teams have gap space to like have all of my thoughts about it. So it's like it's like the the Spurs is the other one, but yeah, you hit on the big ones: Charlotte, Toronto, um, the Knicks, the Thunder. Miami, and that's kind of it. Dallas and Dallas, and those are kind of. I mean, Dallas. You can make the argument where if maybe you no, know, because like, think about unrestricted free agency is like players can go where they want. Like so, sometimes you just kind of have to take marginal upgrades because that's the best you can do. So if like they can't use their money somewhere else, maybe Dallas talks themselves into home. But that means you're paying so much money to centers, and they love Dwight Powell there, which I mean, Holmes is just kind of going to be like little upgrade from him probably and maybe not not even an upgrade like i think i feel like i remember hearing about um how much like how valued he is in the organization how he's like one of the best leaders and he might be like the longest tenured math too but uh like maybe that's the difference between those two guys isn't enough to make up for or just the fact that powell just kind of brings so much like intangibles to the table but yeah now that i mean Charlotte is a real threat, though. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense there. Um, they have the money. And there's, like, I don't see any reason why Charlotte wouldn't pursue him unless they kind of rank, like, Montrose Harrow higher or something like that, like, or they draft a center or something. I don't know. But, I mean, I think Charlotte's a real threat. And, I mean, I probably, if, if he's just, if he's, like, I'll stay with Sacramento, like, as long as you all match any other offer, um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think I kind of would pay whatever it takes, maybe. Because what happens if you lose him? Like, are you it's, – it's so tough to answer the thing about Holmes because, like, there's, like, four con- decisions connected to it. Like, if I guess if it's like, okay, well, we're willing – maybe it's like you have your walkway number, and if it goes a dollar over that, that like tr- that's going to trigger you into, okay, now we're going to let him walk and then try and trade some of our other guys. But, like, what if you don't have good offers for Harrison Barnes out there? 
would you just let Rashawn Holmes walk? Like, if over like a million, like if I have to pay another million around, like if he gets up to like seventeen or eighteen million somehow, it'd probably be like a three. It'd probably be like three for fifty or something like that. Like that's probably it'd be super short term in a situation like that, but not super short term, but at least a little bit. Um, in a scenario like that, if it's like I don't have any deals lined up for my other veterans, like. I might just like do it if you'd be willing to stay for the same offer in Sacramento. Um, <laughs> I guess looking at what reasonable value is, it, value is it's kind of tough since he probably is the best center on the market. But I feel like he's. I mean, I actually think it's kind of pretty easy to find like solid analogs. Like he's. I don't think he's in the Capella range because Capella's been a monster this year and Miles Turner. Like that's kind of like the pretty good starting center but not might not might never make an all-star he's obviously not a max guy so he's not in that tier and you can maybe make the argument he's a little better than the young young center group who's kind of signing pretty similar like 10 7 to 10 million dollars a year year deals so maybe like you put him somewhere in between those two deals like like Nurkic's contract like 448 something like that like I think you'd find like pretty solid analogs there but it's just there's so many, I think, decisions connected to Holmes or Barnes, and it just whatever you work out first in the offseason could really impact the decision you go. I really liked you working your way through that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was enjoyable. Uh, so I have a little bit on Holmes as well. I That 17 to 18 number really scares <laughs> me, but I'll, I'll swing back to that. So this year they were like 7.7 points per percent points per 100 possessions better with him on the court. But, like, a big reason for that, I think, is uh, Hassan Whiteside is the backup. So, like, even with Holmes on, they're, like, negative one uh, per 100 possessions, which is, like, a 37-40 to 40 win team uh, over 82 games. And, like, like we talked about earlier, he doesn't really stretch. He doesn't have, like, the capability to stress the defense out to the three-point line. He doesn't shoot threes. Like, he has, like, this elite floater, and, like, his mid-range game is off the chart. But he without stretchability, and, like, I keep talking about their defense has been terrible. Well, the center is, like, the number one important defensive position for um, shoring up your defense is center. And so if, if he's driving, even if he's not driving, like, sure, they don't have great defensive personnel around him, but some guys can single-handedly sort of cover a lot of gaps and make you, you know, a top 15 defense or something if you have an amazing center. So if he's not really stretching and and making your offense elite, and he also has been the cog, the big man in the middle for a horrendous defense, like how much am I really willing to pay him? And like, it's funny you brought up Capella. I also was thinking about him, but not actually for the contract, more so for to your point earlier, if they if they bring him back, could they trade him later? So, like, Atlanta gave up a first for Capella. Like, it was a little bit unique since the Rockets were going, like, all small ball or whatever. But, I mean, I think he's worse than Capella. So, do you even think, like, they could fetch a first for him down the line? I kind of think not. He's going to be 28 next season. And, like I said, he, he's not amazing on either end of the court. I kind of just feel like he's slightly above average that like maybe he's like the 14th the 17th best center and i i just don't know what i really want to pay for that and and i don't know what i could get for that like how many teams have a gaping hole at center basically just charlotte and toronto or basically the only teams i could think of boston maybe uh outside of that like 
I don't know, especially that type of center. It's just it's just a lot for me to think about, and I, I had a walkaway number on my sheet of like fourteen to fifteen million, but even as I think about that, like I don't, I don't know what he gives me that is not replaceable for like five million, or or I would rather just I don't know even try to develop a couple of second round picks to do a similar thing. No, that's that's that. all. All those are great points, and you probably have me. Um, second guessing my willingness a little bit more. Um, is is for me? I just kind of kept thinking of it from the like opportunity cost situation. I was like, okay, if he's willing to stay, like, is it worth? I guess my thought is, is it worth losing him over not like paying uh, over a few million a year? Like, um, and one thing that makes that tough is the fact that like uh, one of the things you just brought up at the end. What you're saying is that Charlotte is one of the teams with one of the huge holes, and it kind of fits their situation a little bit. They're trying to be better. Um, just putting a for, like an average starting center in there definitely would help them a lot, uh, and he'd probably flourish next to the Mellows. So um, I think uh, at Charlotte, like when we whenever we do the Charlotte offseason deep dive, we'll probably talk about that fit a little bit deeper and just think about how like. Uh, See if there's actually any other centers on the market who we might prefer as Charlotte. Probably have a better grip of that then. But, I mean, I would be super interested as Charlotte. So, I guess I, as the Kings, now I'm thinking if he's willing to come back, like, is it worth it? Um, so, and then that kind of just gets to what I was working myself through when I was talking about it earlier. is just all the other subsequent decisions or maybe decisions that might have been made before. So, like if I got to offer, if I traded Harrison Barnes at the draft for two first round picks, I'd probably have, I'd probably still have a, a big want to keep Holmes just because he could become an asset when he's just a fine player. Um, it's like usually you can't go wrong just signing a good player to a good deal, even if you're trying to rebuild. Like usually that's just still a good thing to do. So maybe I trade Barnes at the draft, and Holmes the market kind of dries out a little, and I can get him four for forty. Like I'd still do that, but. I probably maybe my walkaway number there is like okay I'm not going more than twelve like I can be we're probably in a situation where it'd be a little better to be picky here so um, yeah that's kind of where I am oh yeah one other thing you can so you can use your trade exception for a sign and trade right like you can absorb a player into it uh, I believe so yeah that's what I think too so I don't so Boston yeah. should have really just a you're really just acquiring him from via trade. Yeah, so Boston, they probably don't have quite enough anymore to do it, but they have, what, like 10? They probably have around 9 to 10 million left on that exception, so um, I was going to sit here above that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's probably not quite high enough. Like I, I think Holmes would be more than mid-level exception. Um, well, so one other thing, just to make this even more complicated, I, they only have early bird rights under Sean Holmes. They signed him to a two-year oh, deal, wow. so they can only pay him like up to like eight point seven five million unless they do some finagling. So maybe the Bagley dump trade becomes a little bit more of a priority for them, or maybe they get off Delon Wright. Like it's it's hard early to know. Bird, um, so I'm. This first offseason deep dive is still pretty rusty. Uh, so what? That's like the Josh Richardson, right? It's like one hundred and seventy-five percent, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Salary. Yeah, I forgot his salary was so low for this year. Yeah, okay. 
I wait, or can you go up? You probably can go up to the average salary though, right? For like non-bird. Or right, non-bird would just be 120. Um, early bird, you can go. Can you go up to the average league salary to Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson or Spencer Dinwiddie special? I believe that they can only get to 8.75 million. Um, okay, and I need to sharpen back up. It's, it's been an off year for everyone. Yeah, no, that's what my intern is telling me right now. So yeah, they either have to create cap space, yeah, or they they can give them like max raises. So I think they can get up to like almost like four for thirty eight or something. But mm-hmm. is that going to get it done? Sounds uh, like definitely not, right? Yeah, that. I hadn't considered that. I just it feels like he's been there for a long time. So like I kind of just assumed they had bird. Yeah, but it's only been yeah, it's only been two years, which it does feel like more than that. Yeah. So that makes it even more complicated. Like, does that mean a trade is is going to come with Barnes? But, but I mean, or anybody? But like I said, Dylan Wright or even Bagley. So it's. It's kind of funny that the Kings don't have any enough cap space to even sign their own guys when they have been <laughs> bad for like a decade. But I just yeah. thought I should throw it out there since, as I was looking at my sheet, I saw that he only had early bird. Yeah, that I definitely did not realize that. Um, hopefully, we'll have the rust off by the time uh, we get a few <laughs> more teams out the way. Um, okay, so where were we? That basically. There's- Basically, just deep diving Rashawn Holmes. Like, is it worth <laughs> yeah. it? To pay? Is it yeah, worth exactly. it to move heaven and earth to keep him? Yeah, exactly. That's we. I th- we got so deep into that, I'm, I kind of forgot where, what path we're even on. Um, so I guess we can kind of just move on to our free agency strategy for them. I mean, outside of uh, Rashawn Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> right outside of their own guy. Yeah. Uh, well, so I guess this is the full so MLE. They, real quick on Rashawn Holmes. Um, so couldn't they give him the full MLE, though? I believe so. <laughs> so they're up, the max they can give him is either... Uh, well, no, because the, the, they they won't be over the cap yet, will they? With this hold, if they keep, like, uh, Mo Harkless and, like, a few other holds, I think they're... Oh, yeah, they're, you're right. If they keep... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they're looking at the max they can pay him is either full MLE, um, the four for thirty-eight figure, or the average league salary figure. One of those is the answer. <laughs> great, great salary cap work, guys. <laughs> we might have to scrub this from the record, but yes, I, I'm fairly convinced they need to open up cap space. That's what, uh, yeah. that's what the research team is telling me. <laughs> In order yeah. to go over nine, nine, ten million for, to keep Holmes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, like we we're we've been trying to get at for free agency. They're looking at the full MLE um, when they stay over the cap, keeping a few of the holds on. And my strategy with them is just try and get someone who could potentially help you win now, but also be potentially potentially be a part of the next good team you have. So, kind of look at the younger guys. Um, kind of like it as a flyer, and with them being like so close to the cap, like signing trades are definitely possible. But it's such a dry sell- uh, free agency market. Probably don't. There's not much potential for that there. But I have a few targets I like uh, for the MLE with them. What about you? 
Yeah, that's basically all I looked at. I mean, they're not going to have room for the big guys. They, It's just going to be moves around the margins. Uh, it's the same, yeah. I just looked at some LML, you guys. Yeah, um, one who I think is super interesting, uh, and might this might actually be his market now, uh, Laurie Markkinen. I, if it's MLE, he probably it. has a better option, but um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I I looked at Markkinen, actually, and I just don't think he does anything for their defense, and they kind of have a decent amount of scoring, but just it's straight up for the core and just the asset play. I, I don't mind it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, make, I, they make them pretty fun. <laughs> Add to their fun rating. Yeah, but, so you, you think MLE is not going to be enough for him, though, right? That's what I was kind of getting at. Like, maybe, maybe it is, but I mean... Sadly, uh, you might be actually... You might be right, the more I think about it, because there's not a ton of cap space well, teams, and Miami, is he really going to be a target? He That'd be really interesting in Miami. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Dallas, Dirk 2.0. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what I was thinking of the other day. I was like, I really would like him in Dallas. Just him and Porzingis together, and they maybe, just maybe Miami. Uh, what about yeah? Uh, that's one of the more interesting free agencies. We'll see if he can get more than the MLE. What the Knicks? Yeah, I like that. Especially with all the bigs they play. Um, it'd be nice to have a shooting forward next to him, even though Lori doesn't have the best percentages. Um, We're kind of stepping on the Bulls pod, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I have a few other. I guess Derek Jones Jr., that's one. I mean, he went for one plus one on the MLE this year, so maybe. So that, that was my top target for them, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't offer him the full MLE. Like, yeah, you yep. need so much. I mean, defense so bad, and having him to run up and down with Fox and Halliburton for sure. Yeah, like the, that's exactly what I was envisioning, and gives him some some athleticism. Yeah. Um, one other. So I have. Three other guys written down. One of them won't cost the full MLE, but I would definitely be willing. He's a guy who's kind of has just a minimum reputation, but I'd be willing to throw like a lot more just to try and lock him down. Uh, that's Sterling Brown. I mean, I think he's been great for the Rockets when they were actually trying to win just and been solid in general, but a lot of people liked him when he's in the books. But he's kind of just a wing guy who plays really hard and he's gotten his shot pretty good. I mean, he's... Probably going to be a defense first type of guy. Doesn't need the ball on offense. Just going to shoot spot up threes and hit a pretty good percentage of them. And good solid size. Yeah, that one's super low key, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I like it. He's it, probably going to get a minimum somewhere, but it just because of reputation. But I, I mean, I don't see why a younger, like a team that had space or didn't have MLE plans, why they wouldn't throw like two for eight at him. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think if that's the difference between getting a rotation player or not, like, it's definitely something to look into. Got any other ones you like a lot? Yeah. Uh, this, I don't, one of them I don't think will fit the price range, but the two I had in mind are also two, all three, 
all these two guys are both like very very similar size wise to Sterling Brown, but I like uh, Josh Hart and Taylor Horton Tucker. Which I don't. I think Josh Hart. That's gonna be not quite enough. And it's like, why would you choose Sacramento? But um, if somehow you can get him for four years at the MLE, that'd be real nice. And then Taylor Horton Tucker. I think that'd be a Karinas rule, which we don't. After our cap struggles today, we don't need to get into that. Because um, that was something I, I don't think I ever actually learned. So yeah, that's I don't need to think about that right now it's midnight on the east coast so uh don't need to be thinking about arena's role but i think that'd be a really good flyer for them because he's like crazy young he's probably like 20 now um but scott let him explore his scoring upside he's got super long arms like can maybe potentially be a positive on defense too um they're super deep at the guard position but he might have just enough size to where you can throw like between like him fox and halliburton you just have like three shooting guard size guys out there. Maybe you can get by for, I mean, they already played Buddy Heald with them too. Like they already played Heald, Fox, and Halliburton. So maybe Taylor Horton Tucker would be a little better on defense there. Right. The thing I kept coming back to is what you said. Is like, why are these players choosing the Kings? <laughs> yeah. if, if, if money isn't the reason because they don't have a lot of money to give them. So I, I like Taylor Horton Tucker a good deal there. Just gives them another... Uh, young player that they can dream on that it has actually flashed a little bit. Like he's had a couple like thirty point games in the preseason, and he has little sp- sparks. And you see LeBron going nuts for anything good he does. So I like that one a lot. I just I don't know how they're gonna get these guys. So I think I looked even a little bit lower than <laughs> than the ones you're mentioning. And Hart too. I think the Pelicans are gonna keep him, and yeah, he's gonna get over ten million in my opinion. But well, the, we'll see. one thing about um, oh, I think I forgot where I was going. I think it was something about Taylor Horton Tucker. What was I about to say? Oh, yeah. So I think he, I wonder if he's going to be one of those guys who, I mean, it's hard to know what his real value is because he's so young, but very curious to see how the league values him because you've got someone like a D'Anthony Melton who's shown probably more than what um, Tuck, uh, THD has shown. And I mean, he got like, Seven million a year and didn't even get it fully guaranteed. And I was wondering how Horton Tucker's actually shot in the league this year because I remember one of the like uh, major throwback to like before we went to SBC 2019, we were in the Slack and we did like a mock draft and I was super high on him and I like, took him way earlier than what he actually ended up going. Like I took him like mid first round, he ended up going like mid second round. And one of the things I was super high on him about was like he, was, he used to take like NBA like a ton of NBA threes, like high level, high difficulty shots and step backs, all sorts of things like that. And being crazy young, super long arms. Like there's so much like just potential and like those intangibles, but the couple of that with like the fact that he shoots NBA, like difficulty shots all the time. Um, but looking at his three point percentage now, he's 26% on his career. So that hasn't come around yet. So maybe the rest of the league isn't quite as high on him as, like that, um, just because of that type of stuff. On top of what I was saying about how, like someone like D'Anthony Melton didn't get paid, but I don't know if the full MLE, full MLE is like if the Kings are only no one else is offering it, I definitely do it as the Kings. Right, and he's only had 130 attempts, so maybe don't be too down on yeah. his shooting long term. Good for no, shooter, solid. Right, so I think he, I think he could definitely be worth 
that type of flyer. I mean, four years maybe a long time for just like sort of an unproven commodity, yeah. but he's I mean, he's young enough. He's, like you said, he's only I think he's only twenty or twenty and a half or something. So plenty of time yeah, to grow into it. Probably has a little non guarantee or team option on the end. Um, yeah, and that's all I have. Like, like you said, Josh Hardy's probably gonna make too much anyway, but. I guess the plan is you go after some of the, Derek Jones Jr. probably is most realistic, but you go after some of these unrealistic guys and just hope that maybe their market like it usually happens to someone like where their market dries up and maybe other teams like were waiting to hear about someone else so they couldn't commit and this person wanted to lock something in. So who knows? But I think Derek Jones Jr. is somewhat realistic, just going based off what he signed. Uh, well, obviously he has to opt out first, but the contract he just signed and it seems like things are not going well in Portland. Um, and if he just wants to lock in similar money, like I don't see any reason why he'd be in a position to make more money based off this season. So if he wants to, I mean, that's a pretty good way to mitigate some risks there. Like he maybe goes back to being a minimum level player after another bad season. So that like a good MLE offer from the Kings could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of guys who, Maybe if they slip through the cracks, like I had Kelly Oubre down, like this is probably beneath his value, but I don't know, just a young-ish small forward that they could throw in the mix. He's the only no guy interest. that no interest at all. I just don't think he's a winning player. Like I don't know what he does for you. Well, and I don't know. King- well, I'm saying I don't know like uh, how much like ceiling there. Like, but he's not young enough anymore to raise like a young flyer. And like there's stuff I want to explore. Like. I think we know what Kelly Oubre is. Well, he was worth like eighty million to the Warriors' ownership anyway to pay. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe you can sign him for. Yeah, he, he's not going to sign for MLE, but I don't know. Fits a maybe positional need, but maybe he, maybe his um, future is not too bright. Uh, I also had TLC down. Like, I don't know. He played well in the bubble last year for Brooklyn and a three-four that can maybe defend and has a sh- sliver of upside. Still, or DJ Wilson, you mentioned Sterling Brown, a different Bucks cast off that you could throw in the front court and yeah, maybe, that's one, maybe develop. But, that's one I, I would be interested in too. Yeah, or Kelly Olinick, someone who's can stretch at the five. Obviously, nothing special and not really young enough. Uh, or Jamichael Green is kind of like the full, the perfect guy that I think could up their defense a little bit. They can also stretch. Like I keep saying, they don't really have that at the big positions. But f- funny enough, like a lot of the threes and fours that I, that I was looking at are guys they've already tried. Like they've already had Ariza. They've already had Baysmore. They have Mo, They already have Mo Harkless. They already had Glenn Robinson. They had Rudy Gay at one point in time. Like wow. all these guys that I was scanning through that are free agents had like already gone through the King system and whatever washed out moved on quickly moved on after like a season or a season and a half so i thought that that was pretty funny yeah that is a uh, pretty interesting um yeah I, we talked about a lot but honestly we did it wasn't even that long i think we if you just look at our uh, ratio of information and things we talked about in the amount of time i think we got a lot out we got a lot out of this hour and a half yeah, I have a quick question. So, would you recommend trying to offload some salary to sign like players of the George Hill, Vince Carter, Zach Randolph caliber, like they did four years ago? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, is that when when what year was the year they traded the pick to do that though? 
Yeah, that is uh, that's uh, 2016. Wow. 2016. Yeah, that's. And then they got lucky that that pick was it kept on not conveying. It ended up only being like the 14th pick last season. So like that was the Roman Lankford actually... pick. Yeah, 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 exactly. What's is that? Is that the one that people call the Lake Kings pick? I think so. Because they had all these goofy protections. Like, if one team would get it, if it landed here. Yeah, I remember, like, the I think, wasn't it Lonzo Ball? Like, they only kept that pick if it was top three. The Lakers. They, they needed it to be, like, top, like, six, then top three. And, like, it kept landing perfect for the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, that's... All right, so uh, ultimately, where do you think that they actually go? And and I can start. Basically, I think that they will just play it out with Bagley. Like, he, he's had all these goofy injuries. Maybe they get a new coach in and something clicks or they just, I don't know, figure something out where you can be a semi-positive asset, but then you have to pay him. It's, it's so tough. But anyway, I think that they'll just keep Bagley for his fourth year. And, like, just basically the alternates are too bad. Like, are they going to dump him for nothing? Or, like, yeah. are they going to have to attach an asset to get rid of him? Um, like, I mentioned maybe Toronto, Orlando, or Detroit even might take a flyer on him, but you seem a little less uh, on that. But I, I do think that they're going to take a new coach. Like, if they don't get into the play-in here, I just think Luke Walton has shown not a ton in five seasons. Might as well go for the upside, like a like a next Nick Nurse, like you alluded to earlier. And like defense is a lot of coaching. I think that if if they could jump to like twentieth in defense, all of a sudden, you know, you might have a five hundred or better team. Fox and Halliburton yeah. are def- definitely promising. They could have, I mean, they could have like the fourth pick this year if they jump, or even if they don't, they could have eight to ten. Uh, I think early draft picks are saying that it kind of falls off after five or six, but you never know. I mean, there's always steals in the lottery, like Halliburton, for example, just yeah. last season. Uh, but ultimately, just like probably try to grow those two young guards and I think I think you probably if you get a new coach you play out like at least 30 games and if you're decent you ride it out if not then you try to trade Barnes um, still has a year and a half left like you said and then you kind of turn the page with some youth already but kind of going even heavier into you know aiming at 2024 or so so that's kind of no, the way I see it. Oh. yeah completely agree with that all that 100 percent um yeah i mean it'll come down to we'll see what how holmes plays out um see they end up keeping him um if they i mean i think it's a lock they end up with a new coach they don't make the playoffs which is very unlikely or if they don't make the play in either but um i'm trying to just think off the top of my head like what like just part of like the what coaches of like the coaching carousel are kind of out there right now like Kenny Atkinson, that could be interesting. Uh, that's the first one I could think of. Um, yeah, I think you keep up a little better than I do in the the coaching prospects, but I know Atkinson is is like always thrown out there. What I want to say, he's like an assistant right now, right for the Clippers. I I think I only know that because like one one time when I like I haven't been able to watch Nears, which I usually do, but I feel like I saw him just like sitting on the sideline for guys. Oh yeah, he's a coach for the Clippers. Um, how about how about the uh, the other Van Gundy? <laughs> I was thinking about him. Uh, always, I want to see Jeff back in the league, but um, I don't know. He's probably I don't see any uh, situation honestly anytime soon where he'll get there. 
I think he would be fine, though. I mean, he was known to be a defensive coach. Uh, he, he's It's clear like he still understands the game, and he's transitioned with the game when he broadcast it. And I feel like on offense, maybe you just give De'Aaron Fox the reins and tell him to run up and down. Yeah. But it just doesn't – I mean – like it just that just doesn't seem like the right mesh. I think you got to go young and exciting. Mark Jackson, does he fit? Uh, no, he does not. With all due respect, he does not. <laughs> uh, is there, yeah, is there? I can't think of anyone else of like kind of just that like screamingly obvious candidates. Like it, it seems like everyone knew Luke Walton was going to the Kings, like when he's going to leave the Lakers, but. Like, I can't think of anyone. It's probably – there's all, like, those assistant coaches' names that get tossed around, like, kind of like how they say the Wolves – why the Wolves hired uh, Chris Finch so fast because, like, someone else probably – the other – one of the other organizations that had a Houston guy running it was probably going to take him. I don't remember who they were saying, but um, – Yeah, yeah there's, I, like, a guy in Milwaukee, I think, one of the Milwaukee assistants, like, maybe, like – Yeah, there's Charles, a few names. Charles that, Lee or something. David hear, Adelman is yeah, that, up a that's lot. Yeah, that's the name I recognize. Um Guys under to... Denver. Guys under Mike Malone. I've been talked about a little bit. Yes, I feel like Sacramento is going to get weird and bring in like a college coach who, like a John Calipari type or something like that. I don't well, maybe know. Europe. Maybe they follow the Cavs uh, European squad. Oh yeah. Coach. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty. I feel that's going to be an interesting coaching search. Um, assuming Luke Walton gets fired. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so do you have any closing thoughts? I feel like your recap kind of hit everything perfect. All right, I did grab a wrap-up question or two. Uh, since it's midnight, I'll just give you one. When when was the last time the Kings made the playoffs? It's, they Don't they have the longest streak? <laughs> they have the longest streak. The second... Ah. The Wolves were longer until, until they Jimmy Butler. Until Jimmy Butler I don't. I'm not too much of a historian, so I don't know. I can't pull like dates out, but it had to be like during all like the Tim Donahue stuff, right? Like, like 2001, 2006. So they oh. <laughs> their leading scorers were Chris Mike Weber. Bibby, Peja, Brad Miller. I think Weber was actually onto the Sixers at this point. Oh. Uh, Bonzi Wells, Metal World Peace. Metal uh, Wow. That's quite the lineup. So fifth, they haven't made it in 15 seasons, and they're probably not going to make it this year. That's that's. I guess taking from someone who experienced it here in Minnesota, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, that is a crazy long time. But I don't know. I would just feel like if you just based off like I would expect there to be a little bit more variance. Like I, I don't know why. Like if you just told me like if I knew nothing about a league and told me to guess like the longest streak of not making the playoffs, like I feel like I'd probably guess a little bit longer than that though. I feel like 15 years isn't like. Well, actually, but eight teams make it. Out of yeah, I was about to say more than fifty percent of the league makes it, so that changes it. Yeah, so never mind. Scratch that statement. Yeah, and then quickly to contribute to that, just want to go through their draft picks quickly of the last <laughs> seven years. So last year's Halberton, that's a win. Twenty nineteen, they didn't have it. Romeo Langford, also known as the George Hill Vince Carter season. Two thousand eighteen, of course, Bagley. Probably the oh. worst pick of the last decade. Um, 2017, De'Aaron Fox 
which was good. Around him was like Jonathan Isaac, Laurie Markkinen. And then the three seasons before Wait, that. Did, I wonder if, if they would have messed it up if they were higher that year, the Darren Fox year. Like, I think it was pretty easy, obvious pick. Darren Fox fell on their lap because people weren't quite as high on Isaac to a little bit later on again in the league. But, yeah, I wonder if they would have screwed that one up. <laughs> if they had had the chance, they would have yeah. made the decision. Basically. They probably would have took Josh Jackson, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a few people that I trust were pretty high on Jackson, actually. So that one that one screwed over a few people. But then the three years before that, Marquise Chris, eesh, eighth oh. overall. It, 2015, Willie oh, Cauley-Stein. Well, that, that was the trade, though. Chris, wasn't it? Because then the Suns take him and uh, Bender. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, who did they end up with then? Is it is that the trade that got the? I remember one the trade that got them Boganovich, like they completely lost it or whatever. But then like he was just a throw in, I think. I don't know if it was that one. No, so they got <laughs> that was Dragon Bender. Oh, did they take like? Didn't they take one of these other like random centers who never did anything? Oh, Papa Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was that was so bad. Yeah, you're right. What else what else did they get? Yeah. Because the Phoenix ended up with Bender and Chris. Right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Yikes for <laughs> yikes for that trade. Um I'll have to look that up quick. But the year before that, Willie Colley Stein sixth, kind of a bust. And then Nick Stauskas the year before. Who was taking around Nick Stauskas? Was there anyone they screwed up? Um, yeah, I have that as well. They they took him over. Yeah, I mean, not the biggest names. Alfred Payton, Doug McDermott. Uh, Zach Levine is probably the biggest one, which is 13. Stauskas was 8. I mean, Noah Vonley was 9. Alfred Payton, 10. So Yeah. They actually, like, they haven't done any outside of the Bagley. The, the picks around these guys were not that big. It was like the Mark, uh, yeah, like Markinen, not as good as Fox. Like they, they've done decent in the range they are, except for the Bagley pick. But I mean, if you're in the lottery this long, you think you would hit a home run, right? And you had the chance to, like that's you said, worst maybe worst pick last ten years, but maybe one of the worst picks of all time. Yeah. I mean, definitely up there is one of the worst picks of all time. So that's a tough look. Like, even if you would have just kind of messed up and took like Trey Young or like Jaron Jackson Jr. But right. To get yeah. the yeah exactly. And like, I'm trying to remember who else. That that was that was Bamba and all them. In Wendell Carter Jr. draft. This, which, uh, which one? Uh, 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they were Marvin Bagley year. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then the the Chris trade was for thirteen twenty eight, and the draft rights to Bogdan. Oh, so, so that was right. the Bogdan trade, yeah. And like, they, right, I remember, the last... yeah, they butchered thirteen and twenty eight, but they got Bogdan out of it. Yeah, and twenty eight, twenty eight was um, yeah, it was also a terrible pick. And now, of course, I can't see it. Oh yeah, Scal, Scal of the That's right. All these Kentucky kids. Um, the last thing, which we need to throw at the beginning, how about just the not retaining Bogdan Bogdanovich? Was that, in hindsight, a complete gaffe from them last offseason? Like, wouldn't you like yeah. to have Bogdan on this team? You would. <laughs> <laughs> or at least have the trade asset. Yeah, that 
like I mean, there must have it, been something going on with like the agent and the player. They didn't like the situation or something, right? Or they just couldn't afford it. They already paid Buddy Heald. Fox's yeah. max was kicking. That seems well, kind of. I will say that it is kind of easy to say talk about that now when he's playing like the best basketball of his life lately, but. Yeah, but I mean, I'm always on team retain the asset. If yeah, you're a small market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you got to retain them and then just trade them if you don't want them or something. But maybe they just want to do the agent a favor or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's looking pretty bad. Yeah, like is he roughly in the Brogdon range? Like the Brogdon got a first and two seconds, and they got nothing. I remember the reports came out like. Atlanta apparently offered a first or something, but they didn't want to take on Solomon Hill. I don't remember all those teams. I think that's kind of what it was. It was like they had to take on Solomon Hill, but Atlanta, maybe it was that OKC fake first. That's probably two seconds instead. That's what happened. I don't remember, but I know there was like reports that came out after. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who cares if they eat one year Solomon Hill? I mean, Solomon Hill is actually an NBA player. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have. Probably only got the Sacramento diehards left at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's all I have as well. Now watch them make the playoffs and uh, make us exactly some of these things. <laughs> yeah, um, but we will get together, talk about what teams we're going to do next. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any team I'm feeling, so whatever random motivation we get for one of these bad teams we're gonna deep dive into their offseason uh any last words that's it uh, we gotta gotta find our next team maybe the Cavs. i saw that kevin love was like a minus 47 or something <laughs> so maybe we can find a new home for him yeah uh i doubt it and that's <laughs> where we're gonna call it <laughs> all right talk to you next time